I'm not sure how many of you uh, noticed or listened to the instructions this evening. Uh, some people tune them out, which I understand. But I, I specifically uh, encourage tonight uh, the sense of relaxation and ease. And most importantly, I encourage to relax just a little bit and to be as mindful as you can, just a, a little bit at a time. Knowing that our mind is untrained and tends to go here and go there, but also reflecting on, I often reflect on this group and, and where everyone is during the day before you arrive here, although I don't really know, but I imagine you are coming from, many of you are coming from work, many of you are coming from uh, being in traffic. Anybody come from work? Anybody in traffic before they? Anyone dealing with uh, irritations of being alive? <laughs> Anyone dealing with a variety of frustrated desires? Uh, deflated views about yourself? Unworthiness? Dissatisfaction? Well, we all arrive here having been immersed in the human and cultural experience of San Francisco, of, of the U.S., of just being a human on this planet. And it's not, as, a, as was the central teaching in the Buddhist teaching, is, it is um, marked with, um, with difficulties, with, with things that are hard to be with. And, and a very big part of our practice is how to work with that. And out of love for ourselves, we become attracted to the, the beautiful teachings of various wisdom traditions, Buddhism in particular, and the potential to not just have a, have a, a little... Uh, as one person described it, a little mick mindfulness, apply a little mindfulness for this, a little mindfulness for that, but to have a, have a, a liberated heart, to have a, a heart open, um, mind very wise and clear, and, and uh, body open and released and balanced, and, and as many of us are, you know, this is a multicultural, or not just multicultural, but there are people from many countries who live here in San Francisco and probably are in this room. But by and large, once you've been immersed in the influence of American culture, it's very easy for this excessive idealism to slip into your consciousness and everything that you do, even the healing of your hearts and minds, has to be great. <laughs> has to be maximum liberation. You have to have total worthiness. You have to have total equanimity. You have to have a heart as wide as the world. You know, one of my colleagues has a book of that name. And, it, and that's all very possible. 
However, <laughs> often that excessive idealism, that specialism, that that measuring mind that want that's that's that is part of our conditioning that's always measuring good, better, best. If you are if you are living in this culture, it has to be best. I was thinking tonight while I was sitting, so if you, any of you th- think that I'm sitting here without thought, <laughs> I have a little time without thought and a little time of relaxation. The biggest difference maybe in my practice than many of you is that I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that does diminish over, over time. But anyway, I was thinking of this poem that I've read over the years, and unfortunately I don't have it with me tonight, but it's a, a poem called uh, Tending Two Shops by, I think it's either Rumi or Hafez, and it says, uh, live in the nowhere where you came from, which means just be here simply. Live in the nowhere where you came from, even though you have an address here. And that's our whole little story and who we are and what we're doing. We're, he says, you have eyes that see from that nowhere. And you have eyes that judge distances, how high, how low. You own two shops, and you keep running back and forth. He says, try to close the one that's a fearful trap. Always getting smaller this way, smaller that way, checkmate this and that. Keep open the shop where you're not selling fish hooks anymore, where you're the free swimming fish. So the measuring mind, the mind that that's, has to be the good, better, that's caught up in good and better and best, is, is maniacal in a way. And we don't even realize that when, even in coming to meditation practice, and you hear the idea of being mindful or relaxing into your body, we think we have to do it completely. We have to relax all, all the way. And it doesn't work that way. As soon as I think I have to relax all the way, I have to be fully enlightened, I have to be completely worthy, then I, I, I strive harder. And when I strive harder, I become more tense. Striving hard, I mean hard, with a certain kind of tension, actually postpones relaxation. A little bit of relaxation brings almost instant, some little bit of fulfillment. And that is really, if you look at the heart of the practice of mindfulness, it's just a moment at a time. It's a little mindfulness, followed by a little, with a little relaxation, with a little softness of mind, with a little clarity. With a, little, with a little openness. And if I, if I practice in that way, a little relaxation, and I invite you to continue to think of just a, a moment's worth of relaxation right now. Let's, let's give up our cosmic dream for a moment tonight. Let's give up our, our aspiration for Buddhahood, or at least being being um, maniacally burdened by it and just 
Ti. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been really funny. <laughs> Instead, just just be be a little mindful, a little relaxed, just a little aware. How much aware can you be right now? How relaxed can you be? You can only be a little relaxed. So what you'll find if you just relax a little, or just go for a little calm, is you'll find your body, just like I said during the sitting, you'll, you'll find maybe some body tension. Any of you feeling body tension right now? So you don't have to let go completely of your body tension. Just let go a little bit. Just let it be a little bit. Just let the body feel tense for a moment. Don't try to do anything about it. Don't try to undo it. That brings more tension if you try to undo it. Just let it be. That's really what we mean when we say let it go. And let it go really means let go of fighting with the state that you're in. But let go of fighting just a little bit. Just a moment's worth. That's all there is. How hard is that? How much effort does it take to relax a little? Or to be a, feel a little calm, a little balanced, a little mindfulness? Now if you did this if you frequently did this a little bit, I'll just give you a sneak preview. There, it's transformational. But if, you, if you're busy thinking about how transformational your practice is going to be and how transform, transformational it has to be, you're missing the practice, which is a little bit... So this little bit is confronting at first, since we're all tremendously tense from trying to be the best. Associating our happiness with, with whatever our accumulation or our attainment or our healing or whatever it be. Let's put it all down. Put the healing down. Put the attainment down. That's confronting at first. We're so, we've gotten so built up in this maniacal search for happiness that it may feel odd. And you may not even believe that the way to the end of suffering is just to let go a little. That you can't do more than the simple act of bringing kindfulness, aware presence to this moment. You can't do any more than that. And you can't do what happened already. It's gone. And you can't do what hasn't happened yet. So, but you can do this. A little bit of relaxation. A little bit of mindfulness. A little bit of kindness. 
was trying to see how this this little dialogue Cherokee, with the Cherokee Nation, uh, the, the Cherokee chief, Cherokee Nation, had with his grandson. And I think it is this this conflict that we have between the, this great aspiration for for best the best, this American idealism, special, and the simple the reality that the specialness, the extraordinariness is in the ordinariness of just a moment of relaxation. So here is the dialogue. A grandfather from the Cherokee Nation was talking to his grandson. Quote, a fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One wolf is evil and ugly, he is angry, and he is anger, envy, war, greed, self-pity, sorrow, regret, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, selfishness, and arrogance. This really does describe the house that ego built. Innocently, you know, all, even this, such a, a hopefully a source of compassion, because it's all out of a love for ourselves trying to find relief. That's a little side story, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> so I'm, I'll read it again. One wolf is evil and ugly. He is anger, envy, war, greed, self-pity, sorrow, regret, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, selfishness, and arrogance. The other wolf is beautiful and good. He is friendly, joyful, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, justice, fairness, empathy, generosity, true compassion, gratitude, and deep vision. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other human being as well. The grandson paused in deep reflection because of what the grandfather had just said. Then he finally cried out, Oi! That sounds very Yiddish, though. <laughs> Oi, grandfather! <laughs> Which wolf will win? The elder Cherokee replied, The one that you feed. So what, the way the Buddha put it is what one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of the mind. So wherever we put our attention. So it is, a, it is against the stream or a road less traveled to relax a little and take little increments moments of time to make that our devotion not to I'm even hesitant to to glorify that I think I have that I've internalized that same kind of that same kind of idealism but I also have in the course of, of my own practice devoted a lot of moments to relaxing to just a simple, simple practice, training of 
putting attention on the experiences, the, the, um, the sense experiences of the present moment, and not searching beyond that. Instead of toppling forward for the last 40 plus years, toppling forward, obsessed with getting to the end of the rainbow or what's next, I've mostly been, in spite of going through graduate school and doing it, everyone else does, but my practice has been settling back into the moment. In other words, just another way of saying, relax, just a little bit. Be aware, be here. How much effort does that take? from Hafez in his poem called Just Sit There. Just sit there right now. Don't do a thing. Just rest. For your separation from the divine is the hardest work in this world. Let let me bring you trays of food and something that you like to drink. You can use my soft words as a cushion for your head. And someone said, to be light, not to make light. So mindfulness, relaxation, relaxation is a, an unconditional quality. And mindfulness The sense of being aware is a state of being. We say be mindful. We don't say do mindful. It has our mind when it is awake, moment by moment, it has an energetic and active quality to it, an interested, an an, uh, investigative quality. But it is, but it is, uh, but it, that quality that wakefulness, that mindfulness, is, um, is a way of being. So how hard is it to be mindful, to be aware right now? How much effort does it take? What takes effort is the, the, uh, the remembering to feed this wolf, the good wolf of, of relaxation and all the wholesome qualities that, are, that can only be found when we let go a little. You know, Ajahn Chah, great forest master, said, if you let go a little, you'll have a little peace. And I usually go on, I say... I'll say, I'll give the whole quote, he says, do everything with a mind that lets go. If you let go a little, you'll have a little peace. But he goes on to say, if you let go a lot, you'll have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, you'll have complete peace and freedom. And we get, 
pulled to that complete peace and freedom and realize that the way that complete peace and freedom is fulfilled is by letting go a little. Continually. Never going beyond that. And if there is going to be the great release of letting go, it will be the byproduct of letting go a little. Don't look for anything but that. As Ryo Khan said, Buddha is your mind right here. And the way goes nowhere. So just, so you can do this at work. You can relax a little. You can be a little mindful. If you make relaxation See, I have to include a little bit of what's possible. But there's always a risk when you start entertaining the possible. You'll just kind of overshoot that the way it's fulfilled is just doing a little bit. But you, if, if this simple mindful attention, kindness, relaxation is the hub around which you live your life, it can, it can follow you everywhere. Then everywhere becomes the, the top, the pinnacle. There's no higher mountain to climb than a simple moment of ease of being. That's why we, in the metaphrases, may I have ease of well-being. <coughs> but our mind goes, oh, may I have huge ease of well-being, rather than may I have a little ease of well-being. 5% more. You know that the big popular Vipassana book or book about Vipassana meditation is called 10% Happier. And I actually think that it's, it's useful. Uh, to just slow it down a little bit. You can be passionate about your practice. But balance your passion with knowing it's just this moment. We just need a little bit of light. Just light. Just a moment of, just a light of consciousness. It's always here anyway, but we just need a little bit right now. Just attending to ourselves, enveloping ourselves in a little, the light of attention. Hafiz also said, how did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. What is our fright anyway? Our fright is always about what's next. It's never about what's actually happening. So right in the midst of our drama, in the midst, as, as Camus said, in the midst of winter, there is with, I realized that there was within me an invincible summer. This invincible summer is just this, this inexhaustible capacity to be kindly aware and relaxed. Absolutely available. Does that sound too simple? The Tibetans 
said that it's, it's, they had, there's four reasons we don't do this. He said it's too close. It's too uh, vast. Just can't put your, doesn't fit in a little box. It's too wonderful. And it's too easy. Can't believe that all we have to do is relax moment by moment, a little bit, a moment at a time. Our mind just complicates it. It builds edifices of enlightened aspirations. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to notice that and relax. How creative our minds are. There's really not much more to say except relax. Just a little tonight. You don't have to be the most enlightened one. The most wise, the wealthiest, the most accomplished. You just have to relax. And then you may discover that you're um, that you didn't you didn't need all of that. You didn't need to have all those accomplishments to validate yourself. You are valid just by the miracle that you're alive and awake. And your mind has room. Your heart is so responsive if you hang out here for a little bit. I have the good fortune of, over the years, of mentoring a lot of people. And I just see over and over that the, just a the simple, continuous act of relaxing and being mindful. Heart gets really wide Every single person wants to then wants to share, wants to be do something of benefit. But it, it's so organic; it just comes out of the the nature of our hearts. It doesn't come from having built the built the edifice or built the structure of like, becoming the great enlightened Buddha of the age, radiating love throughout the world. As, as Ajahn Sumedho says comes from just being an earthworm. Letting go of the desire to radiate love for us. Just be an earthworm who knows only two words. Let go. Of course, he says, because he says, I teach this way because he's a Theravada teacher. He says, ours is the lesser vehicle, so we have only these poverty-stricken practices. You know, no Majamaka, the Prajnaparamita, ordinations in the Hinayana, the Mahayana, the Vajrayana, world-renowned authority on Buddhism. Says, instead of being the world's expert on Buddhism and being invited to great international Buddhist conferences, let go. Says, I did nothing but this for about two years. Every time I tried to, to understand or figure things out, I'd say, let go, until the desire would fade out. He says, I'm, I'm telling you this to save you from getting caught in incredible amounts of suffering. He says, there's nothing more sorrowful than having to attend international Buddhist conferences. <laughs> so just let go. Let's relax. And 
the next three to five minutes. See if you can relax just a little, not too much. You don't even have to change your posture. You don't have to look meditative. Let go of meditating. Just be a little mindful. Let go of the meditator. Just be a little mindful. Relax. And when your mind picks up another aspiration for greatness, just relax, be kind, feel your body, your breath. Connected with life right where it touches you. No other place to connect with life. And as we we feel our own dust settle a little bit, just a little bit, our own bodies relax, we can wish for all beings to have a little peace, a lot of peace, complete peace and freedom. And since we are in the middle of a drought, I thought I would share the, the prayer that comes much more easily when we're relaxed. The prayer of Rabbi Harold Kushner, the prayer for the world. Let the rain come and wash away the ancient grudges, the bitter hatreds held and nurtured over generations. Let the rain wash away the memory of the hurt, the neglect, and let the sun come out and fill the sky with rainbows. Let the warmth of the sun heal us wherever we are broken. Let it burn away the fog so that we can see each other clearly. So that we can see beyond labels, beyond accents, gender, or skin color. Let the warmth and brightness of the sun melt our selfishness so that we can share the joys and feel the sorrows of our neighbors. And let the light of the sun be so strong that we will see all people as our neighbors. Let the earth, nourished by rain, bring forth flowers to surround us with beauty. And let the mountains teach our hearts to reach upward to heaven. Amen. So may all beings relax a little, be touched by the light of awareness, let the rain of our kindness wash away, moment by moment, a little at a time, our sufferings.
May all beings be free, be at ease. May all beings be liberated. giving me the opportunity to remind myself to relax a little bit. So I hope you um, have a very relaxing week, very mindful week, and hope to see you next time. And remember, Saturday, half-day retreat, it's really a, a beautiful little thing to have a, a four-hour period to sit and walk together and, and right in the middle of the city, and it's, uh, it's such a treat. So please come, come one, come all and the day long at Spirit Rock. And then next week I'll do a little more announcing the upcoming residential retreats. Uh, one with uh, Eugene Cash and, and his wife Pam at the end of May and then one at Spirit Rock in June. So come one, come all. Thank you and thanks for your generosity tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.